This is the Hoboken Grace Podcast. Whether you're in the car or enjoying a walk, we hope you're having a great day. Just like every weekly conversation, we hope today's message deepens your relationship with God and builds into your life in a helpful way. For access to our full podcast library, visit HobokenGrace.com or our app. It's so exciting to be able to see what's happening inside the youth program. Today we get to be able to celebrate together as a family with our Grace Kids program in a really special way because today is the day where most of our family comes together, all of our family in different ways, comes together inside of this one space. And family is amazing most of the time, most of the time. If you haven't been with us, one, my name is Chris, I'm lead pastor here at Hoboken Grace. And two, last week we launched this conversation called An Awkward Family Christmas. And I, and I know, I know, as Anthony said, you're not here to see him and you're not here to listen to me. But, but I do want to, as we move through today, I want to be able to talk to you about this for just one second, because I want to make sure that there's something that we don't miss. And I think that this conversation that we're walking through that we began last week is, is so significant, both in our relationship with God, but then also in the way that we're able to love and experience our family as we move through the holiday season. And so I, I want for us to be able to take advantage of that, even as we move through the day, to be able to take full advantage of what Jesus has actually done that changes, I think, our entire experience of family. And I think as we look at it and as we begin to explore the awkwardness of families, sometimes the awkwardness of family is funny. And so your brother invites you to come see his kids sing at church and you don't even like his kids, but you're here. So, and so that's a little awkward. Or, or, or maybe you've been bragging about how your daughter has prepared for this day and man, she's singing so well. And then these lights come on and she won't even walk on stage. And you're like, oh, I guarantee you that will probably happen at some point today for someone. Sometimes it's funny, but sometimes it's really painful. Sometimes it can be excruciatingly painful. And we began to dive into that last week. And we looked at this really hopeful reality that Jesus, as he steps into our story, doesn't step into a perfect family. And I think for a lot of us, if we were to tell the story of how the Messiah, of how the Savior of the world, how he steps into this world, we would have, we would have had him step into a perfect family, a good, but, and I love how Matthew does this because Matthew, when he tells the story of Jesus's birth, he doesn't start with Christmas. He starts before that. He actually starts with the family of Jesus, the lineage of Jesus. And as he does that, one of the things that he wants to make sure that you understand, that I understand, that we understand, is that Jesus was not born into a perfect family. And he goes to great lengths for us to see that and to realize that. Because rather than trying to hide the flaws, he highlights them. And we don't have time, even over the next few weeks, to be able to walk through all of these really awkward stories in Jesus' family history but I wanna be able to focus in on a couple of them because I think they're critical in us understanding how Jesus changes our experience of family, how Christmas changes our experience of family, not just because it's a great family holiday. No, there's more to it than that. And so uh, let me just take you really quickly to the beginning of Matthew. 
And I want to focus in on two stories in particular. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says this, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, so he begins to walk through this. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah and the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. We're not going to go into that story. That's really, that's a very awkward story. We're not going to go there today. But as he continues, he talks about a couple more. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amidadab, Amidadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Ruth. He deviates there a little bit because he wants to include, uh, he wants to be able to include Rahab. He says, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And so there's two times in this where he deviates. The first one is he deviates in order to be able to include this individual named Rahab. The second time is he deviates in order to include this individual named Ruth. Now, if you were trying to tell the story, and if you were trying to, in some way, shape, or form, look, look at this amazing family that Jesus was born into. These are not two names you would have included. And he doesn't have to for several different reasons. One, he doesn't have to include the mother's name. And for the other reason, if you go back and you look at ancient Jewish genealogies, the point wasn't to include everyone. The point was to include the most important people. So it could have been really easy for him to step into it and say, well, let's just look past this. Let's just look past, especially when you come to Rahab. I don't know if you know Rahab's story. Rahab actually lived in a city called Jericho. And when the nation of Israel came into the promised land, she was the one who hid the spies, protected them. But Rahab's occupation, Rahab was a prostitute. Some of you are thinking, is this really the right conversation for Grace Kids concert day? It's an awkward family Christmas. But she was a prostitute. And if you're only including the important people, if you're trying to present, well, look at this amazing. I think it's definitely someone you probably would have left off. And then right after that, he includes Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. Ruth, neither of these individuals were actually Jewish. They were outsiders. They didn't belong. They shouldn't have been in the family line. But rather than hiding them, he highlights them. He calls our attention to them. Why? I think, I think there's a couple of things that he wants for us to see. I think God uses Matthew to include these on, on purpose. Because, one, I, I think from the very beginning of telling Jesus' story, God wants for us to understand. You, you have to understand this is about grace and mercy and love. You have to understand the story that we're telling, everything that comes beyond this, and really what he's really saying is even everything that's come before this, it's all about grace and mercy and love. And so he includes these phenomenal stories of grace. And, and I think another thing that's significant is that when you look at these stories, these are not stories of individuals who got their life together and therefore they experience God. 
One of the most amazing things about Rahab's story is that you never see Rahab turn her life around. We don't, we don't know that side of Rahab's story at all. And I think it's so significant because one of the things that, that God wants for us to understand from the very beginning is that your life doesn't turn around when you turn your life around. Your, your life turns around. The turning point is not when you turn your life around. It's, it's when you trust God. And you see that with both of these individuals. When you look at the, the life of Ruth, you see this phenomenal moment of faith. Because for those of you who don't know the story of Ruth, Ruth, her husband dies, her brother-in-law dies, her mother-in-law becomes furious with God, wants nothing to do with God anymore. And she's, she's basically given up. But Ruth, rather than actually following in the footsteps of her mother-in-law, rather than giving up on God as well, actually decides, no, you may stop pursuing God, I'm not going to. Listen to what it says, Ruth chapter one, it says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. She said, you may, you may be moving away from him, I'm moving towards him. You see this phenomenal moment of faith, even when the person who should have been the example of faith in her life fails. She demonstrates faith. Rahab, there's this, there's this place in the book of Hebrews where it's talking about phenomenal moments of faith or individuals who demonstrated incredible faith. Oftentimes it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. Did you know that Rahab's included in that? Hebrews chapter 11, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. He, he calls out the faith of Rahab. And I think one of the things that Matthew wants us to see from the beginning here is that, no, 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 the turning point in life is not when you turn your life around, it's when you turn to God. It's when you trust Him. And this reality that this is, this is a family of grace and love and forgiveness. This is a story of a rescuer who's come not for the perfect, but the broken who are willing to turn to Him. And I, and I want to sit there for a second because I hope you understand this. Ephesians 2 talks about this. It says, grace is by, it says that salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. Salvation doesn't come because you turn your life around. He says, no, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I, I always say this. An arrogant Christian is an ignorant Christian. No one's part of this family because we got it right. The family that we talked about last week that Jesus came for you to be adopted into. It's by grace through faith. You don't work your way in. No boasting. No pride. And I think God's using Matthew to show us that, no, 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 this, is, this has been the story the whole time. This is what this family is all about. This is, this is how you become part of this family. But I, th I think, too, there's another aspect to this, and, and it has to do with a, a little bit of what we talked about last week where we said the amazing thing about Jesus is that 
Jesus doesn't say, don't find your identity in family. He does find his identity in family. He finds his identity in his heavenly father. He just doesn't find his identity in his earthly family. And I think Matthew, as he's laying this out, you see that God's like, no, 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 we're not going to shy away from what's in the past. We're not going to shy away from it because, one, it doesn't shape who we are. Who we are is shaped by the family that we've been adopted into. But, two, we want to be able to demonstrate the reality that, that when you're identified, when your identity is found in a different family, you have the ability to demonstrate grace and mercy to those who are in your earthly family. Listen to me very carefully about this because it's so significant in the way that you experience your family. When your identity is shaped by your heavenly father and the family that you've been adopted into, the father that you get to talk to the same way that Jesus talked to his father, when your family is shaped by that, when your identity is shaped by that, it allows you to be able to demonstrate grace and mercy. to those who are part of your heavenly, to those who are part of your earthly family. One of, the most, one of the most difficult things to do, one of the most difficult things to do is to demonstrate grace to someone that you need something from. And as long as your identity is shaped by your earthly family, you will need something from them. And that, that may be that shaping of your identity. You know, we have a good family. Look at our family. Look at how we have a that, Or that may be love, value. Jesus didn't need his earthly family to be something that it wasn't because he knew what his heavenly family was. As long as you need something from them, it will be phenomenally difficult to display grace to them. Let me ask you this question. Why is it that your brother can make the same mistake as your friend and you get more angry with your brother? Why is it that Someone can make the same mistake your mom made. Doesn't really bother you at all, but with your mom, it crushes you. Why is it that someone else's kids can make that mistake, but when your kid makes it, it's... You say, well, it's because I love them. We love them. Maybe. I'm not saying that's not part of it. But when your earthly family shapes your identity, the way you think about yourself, when your earthly family is where you find belonging, or where you think you should find belonging, and maybe it's not your earthly family. Some of you, maybe you gave up on that a long time ago. I was talking to an individual after the first service. He says, no, I don't really try to find that. In my earthly family, I gave up on that, but I try to find it sometimes in my coworkers. I try to find it in my friends. I try to find it inside of my church and think, well, they have to be able to give this to me. I need something from them. When you need something from someone, it's almost impossible to display grace to them. But Jesus, 
understood that, no, 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 this isn't my primary family. This isn't where I find identity. This isn't where I find belonging. This isn't where I find love. This isn't where I find value. And he shows us something that's really significant. When you don't need something from someone, you can give your life for someone. He didn't need them to shape him. He didn't need to hide the flaws so people thought, man, what an amazing family. Look, no. He had the love and the acceptance and the belonging that he needed. We, we talked about this last week, that one of the reasons why pain, family situations are so painful is because not just that you learn something difficult about your family, but you lose something. This reality that you're created to be part of a loving family. Listen to me. You actually need that. I think this is why Jesus doesn't... He, he doesn't say, don't try to find it in family. He just comes and says, you're looking for it in the wrong family. And so he's able to demonstrate grace. He's able to actually, he's able to actually live this out in the lives of those around him. Why? Because he didn't need them to be the ones who provided that for him. As long as your earthly family is your primary family, you'll never be able to fully enjoy them because you'll always need something from them. And one of the reasons why those Thanksgivings and those Christmases are so difficult is because you go into it hoping that you'll get from them what you crave. And here's the thing, even if they do a really good job of it, they can't actually be that for you. And I think one of the things that Jesus teaches us as you see him embrace his heavenly father as his primary family, I think one of the things that he demonstrates for us is what it means to release your earthly family of having to carry that for you. And for some of you, this isn't about your parents, your brothers or your sisters. For some of you, this is about these little ones who are gonna be on stage. If you move into this story as a parent, and they're your primary family, and they're where you need to find love and acceptance and belonging, you'll never be able to fully enjoy them. Because they can't actually provide that for you. It doesn't mean you can't find it. You just can't find it there. And so God says, God steps into our life and says, no, no, no. By grace through faith, you can step into, into my family. 
And just as Jesus always knew that his father loved him, that his father valued him, that his father celebrated him, you can know the same. Because Jesus came that Christmas morning. He came to give his life. To pay for anything that would, become, that would ever come between you and your father. And he says, you don't step into this family by getting it right or by turning your life around. You step into this family through faith. That you decide, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, God. That you want to be my dad. I'm going to trust you, God, that you're a better dad than any dad I've ever had, than any dad I could ever dream of. I'm going to trust you, Dad, that you love and value me. It's the way that I crave, it's the way that you created me to be loved and valued. This Christmas, will you release your family from that? As these little ones come up here, will you release them from that? And say, no, 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 no. I get to enjoy that family, but that's not my primary family. I get to enjoy that family. I don't need anything from them. What I need, I receive from him so that I can give to them. That's the family he wants you to know. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the remarkable way that even in sharing your family your family story, the, the, the lineage of Jesus, that you're, you're teaching us about grace. You're teaching us about the reality of, of family, that it, it doesn't have to shape us, it, it, that we don't have to, to receive something from it, that we're able to give to it. And I pray that today that we would, that we would, that we would trust you in that, that we would lean into it, that we would take one more step in saying, no, no, my primary father is my heavenly father. My, the family that defines me is his family. The love and value, acceptance that I, that I crave, that I long for, it's found in him. That we would be able to take that weight off of our earthly families. So that rather than needing something from them that we can give to them, even when they mess it up, even when it's not what we hoped for, what we dreamed it could be, it's okay. Because we have what we need. We have what we long for in you. In Jesus' name, amen.